welcome to episode 30 of the 1099 for the week of February 21st, 2016. I, somehow we got all the way to 30 episodes. Uh, I am your host, as always, Josiah Renauden, the editor and community manager of Tan Gentlemen, as well as a former writer for IGN and GameSpot. And with me today is the co-founder of Kanifi Games and the creator of the upcoming Xbox One and PC title, Snowhorse, Christopher Figueroa. Chris, how are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I just get excited every time I get to say Snowhorse um, because right now you're making one of the most aptly named video games I have probably <laughs> ever seen. I mean, it's it's beautifully basic in its title, and it's a game from my perspective where you play as a horse who snowboards. Uh, and of course, there's more to it than that, and it's really been getting a lot of interesting attention. And this it came to my attention once I saw some IGN coverage, and this is all during the Tony Hawk Pro Skater Five interesting launch. So. Let me give you a better chance to properly explain your video game. What is Snowhorse, and what gave you the idea for it? Oh, uh, yeah. So actually, Snowhorse was an accident. Uh, <laughs> I, I, the game didn't really exist. Uh, I'm, uh, I was at work and I was um, working on some like physics stuff, and I needed to test some physics stuff in Unity, and uh, I kind of just made like this box that went downhill and made like frictionless so then it was snow um and this box just went downhill and then i thought it'd be funny to just put a horse on it and then i, I made i made a gif and tweeted it and then it kind of just took off from there and eventually kotaku like got in touch and was like hey we want to write a story i was like i don't know what you're gonna write a story about um <laughs> and they ended up writing about that snow horse was the game that tony hawk pro skater 5 should have been mm. um which kind of sucks and is cool at the same time. Um, and then IGN kind of did a twist on that, saying that like Snowhorse is the game that we've always wanted, and then kind of tied it into Tony Hawk Pro Skater. That's kind of how it took off. Yeah. In a, in a just, it was just really random. It was just like it started only from a tweet, like, and the game didn't exist, and people were super excited about it, which was kind of cool. So, so when it started to actually, you know, blow up in that way, it wasn't really a game yet, more of just, like you said, like a happy accident. Like, I don't know, I tried this thing, and w how much of it was made, or was it really just that it one was, horse going down, like, a hill? It was seriously just a horse going <laughs> down boxes. Like, it was nothing. It, it And so then everyone was like, oh, my God, like, when is this going to be released? Is this going to be released for December? And it's like, are you kidding me? Like, this doesn't exist yet. <laughs> so, so if that wouldn't have gotten the attention from Kotaku and IGN, this wouldn't have probably been a game? Yeah, it probably wouldn't have at all. Um, because I was just I was just testing things. Like, I was just kind of messing around. It wasn't anything at all. Um, and then it kind of got more attention. It got more general attention. It kind of got off of the Tony Hawk thing. And then, like, uh, like Notch tweeted it because he had a game that he made that was like a horse climbing up mountains and stuff like think of like a, a goat but it's a horse instead and uh so he was like this is on a whole new level and i was like crap like i i gotta i guess i gotta do something so i mean what's what is that like because what is your current job outside of Snowhorse? yeah yeah uh currently i'm a software test engineer at unity so um i actually work on xbox one and i uh I test like the plugins that we have that integrate with Xbox One and stuff like that, so that uh, indies and uh, AA and AAA can make games uh, for Xbox One. Did you ever have any sort of actual outside plan of like, okay, this is gonna be my full time job, and then on the side I'm gonna make a game? Like, was this something you want to do, or was kind of just thrown into your lap? 
No, yeah, I, I wanted to make games and stuff. Like, that's what I, I did. And uh, my wife and I put out a game uh, on Steam called Imagine Me previously, but we just didn't have anything like like we didn't have anything lined up at that moment and i just kind of made this so it was all just a complete accident this is probably the most unique development story I've, ever heard. <laughs> I've never heard of just like suddenly like the press almost creates this game in a way of course you're the one making it but yeah how, how soon after people started asking you of course like hey when's this coming out and they're you know, talking yeah long? i think it kind of hit when ign like was like, hey, we want to feature this on every like every avenue we have, and it, they, at first they like put a video up on their Facebook, and that video actually is the highest played video uh, they've ever had on Facebook yeah. for 2015, um, which is insane to think about. Um, and then they were like, well, we want to put it on Snapchat, and they want to put it on like all of this other stuff, and they did, and they came back to me, and they're like, okay, like here's every here's the stats for everything, and. I was like, cool. And then just looking at the numbers was just astounding. Like, uh, And then everyone was like, well, so are you making this game? And it was just kind of like, well, yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you actually start developing this game? Other than like the initial video that came out, when, was the, when did development actually start? It was probably a week after. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, whenever all that stuff happened, I, I don't even know an exact date. But yeah, it was just it's probably a week after all of that press stuff came through. Um, and then after the large initial press happened, then like, uh, then like smaller, uh, websites and stuff started writing blogs about it. And then it started spreading from there. And that kind of still is happening. Was there ever kind of this, this feeling of what if I just slap something small together that uses this physics engine, like not really a lot around it, but enough that, you know, sell it for five dollars throw it on steam while this kind of buzz was surrounding it so you can try to get a payoff on that or was it always like okay i'm actually going to build systems around this i'm actually going to make this a video game that people will want to play yeah so i guess a lot of people anticipated that they were like well just like why don't you just do early access for some reason everyone is like stuck on early access for some reason but and it, it, i didn't want to do that it was the game actually isn't that big of a game and in general, it's it has a lot like a lot to do because it's physics based, and you can kind of like you'll never get the same thing, obviously, because it's just a horse with rigid bodies going down a mountain. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's really not that big a game in general, and the core system I actually haven't touched. So since this went like crazy on online and stuff, uh, the core system of like how you control the horse hasn't changed. It's all just been me and. Uh, Felicia and Armin doing uh, doing levels. That's all it is. It's just us putting levels together. So it's actually been really interesting to do. So, how much time do you spend on this on a weekly basis? Because of course, we have a similar situation where like I have a full time job that's not you know related to my uh, freelance work with the studio. Uh, so of course that's that has to be my primary focus because that's what's paying all the bills. But how much time do you actually devote to uh, Snow Horse on any given week? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. It, it's a couple hours a day. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not much, but luckily it's nice that, uh, I work with Felicia and Armin and they're both in, uh, Sweden. So it's, it's nice because they'll be working earlier since we're on totally different time zones. Like I'll wake up and there'll be stuff done. Oh, yeah. And then I just have to like merge whatever they did into the project and it, it actually works out pretty well. So even though I only put a couple more hours into it, like they actually put way more. 
and you said like the the main mechanic has kind of stayed unchanged. Like that's what Snow Horse is about. But other than yeah. the additional levels you're building for it, what's really what's the structure? And also, are you including different customizable horses? Different yeah, customizable yeah. So the, boards. So the general structure actually isn't far off from like Tony Hawk actually. Um, and it's like there's six levels, um, and we're gonna. There's six levels and there's a daily challenge level, so every day you could uh, play a different level and try and get the highest score. Um, so that that exists for replayability, and then uh, there's six levels and they have like different things throughout it, like score a hundred thousand points, and um, they have like different objectives and like collect all these letters and collect all these carrots, and there's just like a bunch of things in throughout the level. So like. You can play each level and just like mess around, or you can actually like try and get like all ten objectives in every level. So there's sixty objectives total. How many actual personal interview requests did you get from GameSpot, IGN, Kotaku, and different sites after that? Was it mostly just can we feature this on our Snapchat and on our websites, or did people really want to start talking to you and learning about your studio and how this came together? Uh, it, I think it's kind of been a mix. Um, like IGN has just been like whatever you have, well. Like, just let us know. Mm. So that's been really nice. Um, YouTube Gaming was another one that were like... Oh, yes. They... Because I, I uploaded the original video on YouTube, and then they found it somehow, which I never told them. I don't even know how this happened. And they tweeted that, so then it exploded from YouTube Gaming also. But yeah, like, a lot of them are just like, they'll ask little questions, and Kotaku asked, like, why are you doing this? <laughs> It's a good question. Uh, yeah, in IGN, just they all they asked was like, "When is this going to be a real thing?" Um, so like, they're it, they all are just kind of. I think they know that it exploded, and they just they also were kind of going off the whole Tony Hawk Pro Skater Five reviews and stuff like that. Yeah. So, but which has shifted though, which is nice. But yeah. yeah, and like you don't, you of course don't want your well at the time wasn't a game, but now a game, your game to be built around the idea of like well this is what people actually wanted compared to tony hawk you don't want your success to be built off a failure but it did that the release of tony hawk pro skater 5 like what if let's say that game came out tony hawk and it was actually really good and it was getting like eights across the board do you think snow horse would have gotten the attention or would have even become a game like do you think it played that significant a role in this thing growing uh yeah i think it did um I don't think it really... I think it would have been something. I just don't think it would have had the attention that it got. I, it wouldn't have gotten the attention at all if it wasn't for them relating it to Tony Hawk. So. Yeah. It's it's just so strange because I people very often, I'll hear them always say, like, I, you know, I would love for something to go viral or how do you make a hit, which is one of the hardest questions to ask ever. Yeah. But you came into the situation where, like, <laughs> this has to be just surreal for you to go from... I mean... How much attention was on your studio, the game you made before, uh, b- before Snow Horse started exploding? Like, what? How big of a different scale difference is this for you? Oh, yeah, it's a totally different scale, and it's unbelievable. We actually, like, we were like, okay, we need to come up with like a teaser trailer, so we kind of put together like as much content as we could in like one level, and then we kind of like we kind of just put as much stuff as we could together and we're like, we need to make a teaser trailer because we don't like, we wanted to know weeks down the line, even a month or two down the line, like does this exist still? Or was it just like a one hit thing that people were like, so when we did that, uh, we got like, we put out the teaser trailer and we got like nothing and for like a week. Um, 
and the YouTube the YouTube teaser trailer maybe had like five thousand views, and then uh, NeoGaf did a forum thread on it, and then it just exploded from there. And then uh, IGN tweeted it, and then there was like a bunch of other more press from the teaser trailer, and then there was uh, Eurogamer, and they did a bunch of stuff too. So. It, it was really weird because we had no press again for like a week and then all of a sudden just exploded and the trailer had 30,000 views in, in two and a half weeks and it was over Christmas, which was crazy. Yeah, hard so, time to get views. Yeah, is, it was really weird. Is there kind of a weird balance between, I mean, like you said, you're getting a lot of people who are reaching out and saying like, you know, we want to feature this. Just being able to, you're not a big studio, so being able to like not spread yourself too thinly, but also carrying this momentum to the actual release because like we were talking about earlier there has to be this initial thought in your head of like i this this sort of attention might never come back to it if i release it six months from now so yeah was there was there a fear uh, just in general of like what if this all goes away how do i actually maintain this momentum and keep this press coverage up did you kind of have a, a plan of attack for this yeah I, I guess the only thing that we really had was just showing progression because um uh, it, it just, we just don't know what's going to happen. A lot of people are like, oh, it's going to sell, like they compare it to Goat Simulator a lot for some reason um, because of like the rigid body and stuff like that. Yeah. And they're like, oh, it's, it's going to be like Goat Simulator. And the way that Goat Simulator happened is not even comparable to us. Um, they're like, we are tiny compared to Goat Simulator. So yeah. um, we could release and nothing could happen. Um, a lot of people are just like, there's no way that this could release and nothing happens. Like something massive is going to come out of this. And I don't have hopes for such thing like that because <laughs> I just, I know that it's, it's very possible to have Kotaku and IGN and YouTube gaming and all of this press. And then I know it is possible to have nothing happen. So yeah, I mean, um, it's uncharted territory. Like it's, yeah, in, it, it's just really interesting. And but I, I have noticed, though, that just tweeting progress shows that people are still interested in it, um, which is really nice. So um, just even mentioning like little things like, hey, look up, look at this fan art that someone made and look at someone changed their YouTube channel to have Snowhorse and Fallout 4, which is crazy <laughs> and uh, things like that. And it's like, oh, like people actually still are interested in it, which is kind of exciting. So but one yeah. day. I fully expect that not to happen. So. Well, it's it's just know. a weird, like I said, uncharted territory because although you know your game and Goat Simulator are very different, there's definitely been this trend of very unique sort of bizarre mechanic games that people love to stream and put on YouTube and they get attention because they're not the normal shooter, they're not the normal yeah. sports game. It's like, it's. I mean, I Am Bread is one that comes to mind where it's this physics-based interesting, like nothing else is like this. And of course, you're not. You don't want to be the one to put yourself in that category. But it's always just weird to judge. Is this going to be a flavor of the week where suddenly people don't care and it's like, oh no, we've seen this already. We're on to the next one. Or is there enough mechanical sophistication to actually keep people's attention? It sounds like you are going that extra mile to add a lot to it to make it something that people want to play. But because this wasn't a game before, because this is something that because people showed the desire to play it, you started making it. How much, uh, maybe not advice, but how much attention do you pay to all the tweets, all the different coverage you get where people have been like, it'd be really cool if blank was in the game. Is that something you pay attention to? Or is this very much like, look, it's our game. We want to make it the way we want to make it. No, it's actually been really cool. Like a lot of people make suggestions about things and a lot of people just want horse costumes and stuff like that, which is cool because I actually like, 
yeah, and it's not even that. Like, I have customizable horses in right now, so you can you can play as like a a bear with a naked man on top rather what? than having a, a horse. And it's there's just like tons of weird things in there. So, uh, but I think to to show like an example of your of what you're asking is that uh, Ryan Green, for uh, who's the one of the developers of that Dragon Cancer, he tweeted me and said, uh, "Can you?" can you grind upside down? Uh, because Ooh. so that's something in like SSX that you could do apparently, yeah. or there was a trick that you could do that involved that. And I was like, I don't know. I don't even, I don't know if you can, I'll try it. And then, so I made like a rail that allowed, they had like a rail on left and right. So then the horse would be in the middle upside down and it worked. So then I was like, Oh yeah, you totally can do this, but it does take some skill to like rotate yourself into it. Mm -hmm. And I tweeted that and that actually showed like direct feedback, which was super cool. And everyone really liked that. Um, everyone was like, oh, this is awesome. And so now I get more tweets from Ryan Green being like, you need to add main physics and, <laughs> and just funny things like that. So. God, when you just said the words customizable horses, I just stopped and be like, this is a weird video game. Like video games are yeah, really it's cool. It's so funny because so I, I work on this with Armin and, and Felicia and Armin says that every time he sees the main menu, he just can't, he can't help but smile because it says like, <laughs> career which is hilarious to have a, a career and then it says customize or customize your horse and he just like he says it's, it's really the weirdest thing it's a really good menu uh yeah was has there ever been any discussion you talk about all this customization and i know like microtransactions can be a dirty word but was there ever any thought of like what if we sell specific horse customizations like there's a really cool one it took us a long time 99 cents was there ever any discussion about that yeah yeah there is that a lot of people have brought that up they're like why don't you just monetize on hats and they're like you would be stupid not to and i don't want to do that i want to um for ios and android um we're going to just do what crossy road did um which is uh every three plays it'll ask you if you want to watch an ad and if you watch an ad you can you'll just get a prize a random prize and it, it gives you a present and then you can tap on the present and then uh, oh, customized yeah. horse will come out um and it actually that's worked really well it it's not intrusive and it it gives people the chance to uh unlock more stuff and if they actually play the game and complete objectives they can uh, use those points to uh, buy anything they want in, in the horse customizing store, which does exist. So like every time I can't hold it together when you say that, but I I think that's usually the best way to do it, where there's that customiz customization, those customization items, and you can play a lot or do certain things to not pay for it. But if you're a busy person and don't have that much time to play, but you really want this specific horse hat, you should be able to buy that. I think that's totally fine. Uh, it's still like a contentious thing for when any sort of money for additional stuff yeah, is brought up. Yeah, like I, I want to give people the chance to to either either get it for free by just watching an ad or they can play the game actually, ignore all of that. It's not intrusive and you can just play it and be like, oh, I, I actually completed these objectives. Yeah. Like I didn't just like go in the air and flop around. Um, so yeah. like I actually... Uh, did this and so I, I, they can use those points to earn more things like pumpkin heads and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> so other than like flips and grinds and stuff like that what kind of tricks can you do in snow horse is there a lot of okay you think about tony hawk you're doing crazy like grab the board and do like the christ figure sign <laughs> thing like crazy stuff like that how far are you going in the trick dimension uh it's not it, like it is 
it's interesting because we we didn't know what to do. Um, so how it works is that the directional. So if you're holding an Xbox controller, like A, Y, B, and uh, X will be different tricks. Okay. And you can only do them in the air. Um, but how it gets interesting is that you can, uh, like, if you double backflip while doing tricks, you can like your right your right thumb will be on the joystick holding down because you're flipping, and then you can do multiple tricks with your right hand. So it gets kind of interesting. Um, but also, a lot of the levels encourage you to combo. So like you'll do like multiple flips, and then you'll be doing tricks in the air by like kicking. Or like, uh, there's like a horse flail and a neigh, I think is what it is. And, and there's like a bunch of different ones and they'll encourage you to do combos. So then it's like, oh, I got like four tricks in, in the air. Now I have to get myself set up for this rail that's coming up. So then you have to like land on it without falling and stuff. Yeah. So. And of course the environments are snowy because it's called snow horse. But of what course. kind of diversity in levels and missions are you kind of looking for? Uh, we have the first level, which is just called the Bunny Hill, is super straightforward and kind of just shows what the environment is and shows you like, hey, there's curved rails and there's rails that actually shoot you up in the air and then they disappear. So now you, it's actually a jump and a rail at the same time. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, oh, you can actually grind the top of a house. And uh, there's a, oh, there's a busy street down here. Like if you don't go off of this jump correctly, like, there's a street, you're going to land in it. And it's kind of funny. Like, it's just, um, think of it like a total mountain town, like, at a resort. Like, mm. that's kind of what what we decided was just, like, make the levels really simple and then just kind of make them crazy at the same time. And, like, it's a snowboarding course, so you don't have to really think about it too much. So, Is there going to be a mobile version? Like, is that definitely guaranteed that you're going to be working on that? Uh, the mobile version is something that we... Uh, want to do, but we're we're not like we're not focused on it entirely, mm-hmm. um, because we just we just want the game to work on as many platforms as possible. Yeah. But um, iOS and Android is something that we've wanted to do for a while. So, so for like, would it be possible? Because I know it, just in general, it feels like mobile games usually the best route is free and have some sort of payment structure or cheap and have a little bit of extra stuff. Could you release this game for free on mobile and then price it? differently on console and pc do you have a plan for that in place uh i don't have a plan for the cross part of like being on steam yet um my our original thought was just doing like a a low price and then having uh exclusive content and then having uh steam like steam workshop support and stuff like that so it'll take like the steam version will take advantage of steam and have uh workshop support for course customizing and stuff like that um, but yeah, we haven't really like thought about it too much. We don't want the price gap obviously to be large because yeah. a lot of people do that. They like put it for free on iOS and then do like ten, twenty dollars or like some do seven or something on Steam. So um we haven't really thought about all of that too much. So because the free model outside of Valve games hasn't really been proven mm-hmm. um too much. So on on Steam, like if you look at the free games on Steam, like Valve games take up 90% of that revenue and time that people play it in. Like, there's some games like Unturned that do make some money from uh, from free, but it's just different. So, I don't yeah. know. And, I mean, just pricing in general at this point, is just it feels very different than it's ever been. Like, Steam, there's so many, like you said, early access games. There's free-to-play games. There's just a little bit of everything. Who 
who have you been talking to? Of course, the people you work with, but outside of that, other developers you know, who have you been talking to to get advice, to get an idea of what, how can I price this and put this out there to make it succeed? Because one wrong move, one, if it's expensive, by, if it's too pricey by $5, if it's free to play but doesn't have the right structure, like it loses all its attention. So who have you been talking to in preparation for this? Uh, I've been talking to my wife a lot about it <laughs> and uh, talking to I kind of anyone really. It's kind of interesting. Like it gets brought up. I don't even like we had dinner with friends the other day and they brought up like uh, that about the game. And I like I never even brought it up at all. So it, it seems like everyone kind of has some slight like what like what are you doing or this is really funny or like everyone has something about it. So um yeah, I just kind of, uh, no one really knows what to do because yeah. it's such a, a weird thing. So, and I feel that way, even if this was like not some crazy physics game called Snow Horse, like pricing is always just a weird thing to do sometimes. So you just kind of need to make a decision and go off of it. Yeah. And yeah, I think you got to follow your gut and follow everyone you know, but it's just, yeah, pricing and value for video games is just bizarre. I was talking to Dave Gilbert uh, from Wajidai and he was mentioning how, like he was working with two different people who were doing bundles and it ended up that his game was after doing calculations was being pretty much sold for like pennies on the dollar. And yeah. for him, it was difficult to rebound from that initially because people now value the game as this when he values his game as like, no, this is a $15 thing that I you know put a lot into and deserves, you know, deserves that sort of dollar. And, but people right now, they look at a steam game and I'm guilty of this too. I won't say people in general, uh, you see a game that comes out that's uh, just, let's use The Witness for example. So that's forty dollars. My first thought was like I'll buy it when it's on sale. And yeah. a lot of people look at games like that, and that might be that's something that you know if I was a developer that would freak me out of like, what if I get like nothing at the start and I'm only actually going to get half value for this? But yeah, I think I think part of it too is that like uh, like the previous game that my wife and I made was called Imagine Me, and we actually ended up getting more sales later down the line from like our first content update than we did originally. Um, and it just kind of like, then the second content update, we would get more sales. And so it's like, I think you just need to prove that your game has a lifetime and that your game is growing. Um, a lot of people now, especially like the app store has taught us to be like, Oh, I only want free or 99 cents. Yep. And like steam has taught us there's going to be a sale. I'll wait for this game to be on sale. Um, but I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's the right thing necessarily. I think it's just that, uh, you have to decide when your game should be on sale and when it shouldn't, you shouldn't just like default to that just because no one's buying it. Um, did I think your... you just need to give them a reason to buy it. Yeah. Did your first game actually get more sales after Snowhorse started taking off and people were like, who, who what is the studio and what else? Have they <laughs> no, done? it didn't though. That's the funny thing. That's um, strange. Yeah, it's really weird. It, yeah, it's just so different. Like, this whole experience has been really weird. Um, and a lot of people are like, oh, this is this is going to be huge. And it's like, no, I don't think you understand video games. Like, sometimes really good video games don't sell well. So Yeah, no, it's, it's so hard to tell uh, what's going to work. Um, you, you just never know if, yeah, what's, like you said, like if it's caught fire, is it still going to catch fire? Is it actually going to sell? Or is it just a fun thing to watch on YouTube or on a Facebook video? Um, yeah. Speaking of video, earlier we were talking about all the kind of traditional press coverage you were getting. Well, not traditional too, with Snapchat and stuff like that. But yeah, 
what do you expect for the YouTube and streaming audience? Because your game, and I, I hate this word, is very streamable. It's very yeah, yeah. YouTube friendly. And it's something that uh, Ian Stalker, who made Escapegoat and Escapegoat 2, he had mentioned that uh, his game kind of underperformed Escapegoat 2 did uh, initially. But when Game Grumps played it, suddenly he's like his sales were like just astronomically higher than where they were and my prediction your game is something that game grumps those people would play or that uh pewdiepie or someone like total biscuit would play so what is what's the plan for that are you going to try to get them code way in advance hope they find it on their own like what's kind of the thinking going into that uh a lot of those people have well, some some of them have already like contacted us, so okay. that's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the the nice part about this game is that, well, it's it's a curse and it's the nice part is that um, people look at it and just say, oh, it's a goat simulator. Like you're just kind of going down a hill and oh, you fell and there's some physics that's really funny. We're like, that's the game. But actually, like if you look up the if you look at the like eight to ten objectives per level, it actually does require some like amount of skill, actually, or at least dedication to like I'm going to land this trick or I'm I'm going to do so many tricks in the air in order to do this. And I think that's where it'll help in the streaming sense because people will actually they'll I think they'll be surprised when they play it actually that they're not they're going to be like oh I'm not just like I'm not just a horse going down a hill running into things like that's funny but that's not what this is. Um, and I think that uh, a lot of people have already gotten in contact with us and then they've been surprised even just from seeing the teaser trailer. They're like, oh, it's actually like a video game. It's, it's Well, yeah, it's actually a game. Like it's not like it's not just like boxes still and it's not just like this. And I think people are just being surprised still, which is really nice. Um, and I, I think it streams really well because of the way it looks, um, which helps a lot. Um, but I also think that it plays it plays really well too. So it's like it'll have the longevity of of that. And the daily challenge is kind of our way of being like, well, like people will see that if they do see this stream, like Total Biscuit goes through like every single menu and like critiques their menus. So it's like uh, they will see that there's a daily challenge and they'll be able to try and get the high score every single day often you'll see people get like you know early copies of a bigger game and mm-hmm. the videos start coming out before the game is actually available for purchase for you is it way more important to have these videos going up when the game is actually out so that they see it and like, like before we talked about how they see the game like oh that's really cool and they get excited about it but they have to wait a while it'd probably be better than to have these videos come out and then them to immediately impulse by the game right yeah, like um we like we don't want to give people the game until it's done. Yeah. So um and we're not really pushing that either. We just it'll happen, um, but we're just not like pushing it because um we don't know what's gonna happen. Like like I said, we could we could give people early copies and they could look at it and then be like, Oh, this actually isn't what we wanted. So yeah. um or they could like we just don't wanna have any expectations or anything and we're just kind of like I, I tweet to people or I like tweet about it all the time and people like ask questions and I answer it. So I try not to make like any surprises either. So yeah, that's um, hopefully hopefully that helps. I guess I don't know. <laughs> I mean, but so again, far so I, good. I, you can just kind of guess. You you have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, so. this whole thing has been a lot of guessing. I would assume for you, yeah, not well, exactly uh, a uh, blueprint for what you have done and how to handle it. So well, yeah, I feel like people would be like. 
like you, how they're just like, wait a second, like, what do you mean this wasn't a game? So, yeah, yeah I'm yeah. So shocked by that. I did not expect that at all. Uh, yeah, it's like really, like, if you look back in there, like, especially the Kotaku article, like, they tweeted or they made that article on like the first tweet that yeah. I did, and it's just crazy. So, um, speaking of crazy, you, your game is also coming out on Xbox One. So, yeah, how, yeah. how did that happen? Uh, yeah, it's because I, I work on Xbox One at Unity. Um, so, that was just kind of easy for me. I, I work on Xbox One all day. I, I have for the last year and a half, almost two years. So mm. it was just, it was like, well, why not? Um, and like, I, I'll eventually, I'll, I'm sure I'll try and do some like other consoles and stuff. Um, my wife loves PS4. So she just, um, I, I'm sure I'll end up doing something else too. But yeah, we just, it just, Xbox just came natural to me because I work on it all day. So for me, it's like it's like nothing different than working on other. Like to me, iOS and Android is more foreign than Xbox One. So, has uh, did Sony reach out to you at all when they saw? This? Yeah, well, I, we had a previous Sony contact before from our previous game. So, um, I like I've I already have that whole thing established. So I just need to do like get dev kits and stuff like that. So, uh, so. When is the game actually planned to release? Uh, yeah, we we wanted to originally do uh, like early spring, um, but looking at a lot of the release schedules, we didn't want to like force it either. Yeah, and we kind of sat down and talked about like like okay, like we have these six levels; they're all laid out. You can pretty much play this whole game all the way through. Um, but like, what's what's most important? to like what's something that we find fun and we find that people will be excited about and we actually uh decided that like horse customization is really like the thing that we find fun and we find like that that hopefully people will grasp onto that because it is really funny to see like a horse with a pumpkin head on really um, is. yeah so we're 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 just telling people summer um because that we wanted to spend more time on more horse customization stuff so so at this point i know a lot of this discussion has been like you don't really know what's going to happen next you don't know what's going to carry over for the enthusiasm how it's actually going to sell but if you were to predict anything i mean let's you know let's say this game it comes out it's release week what are your expectations at this point because i, I know people have probably been trying to blow a lot of smoke up your ass be like this could be super massive you can quit your job this could be like but Let's say this gets on Game Grumps, Total Biscuit, all these, you know, getting millions of hits. Like, what could this do for you? What if everything falls your way? What do you expect to happen? Uh, I don't know, really. Um, that's like, I don't know. That's kind of asking people, like, what would they do if they won a million dollars? Like, <laughs> um, I, I don't really know. I, I don't. I don't really want to, I, I don't think I would change my life too much either. Like I might just work on games full time, but, yeah. um, but the, at the same time, I, I really like where I am in my life and my job. I'm, I'm sure my wife would want to be like, Oh, let's move somewhere warm because Seattle rains a lot. That Lord is pretty it. good. <laughs> don't tell her that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I I, th I picture that would be like the main conversation, but other than that, I I don't want my life to drastically change. Like I'm not gonna like buy a yacht or something. Like <laughs> that should be your first purchase. Like just ship the game. And here's my game development yacht. Yeah, yeah. So um, no, it's just that, and like my wife and I kind of 
we've always kind of joked, but we actually do really find it interesting to have like uh, like an indie boarding house or something, yeah. which is like a bunch of developers like together in one house and they finish their games or they start their games somewhere in production and they stay there for a little while and then they leave. And so that would be cool too. But again, who knows what's going to happen? Either way, like I'm absolutely rooting for you because <laughs> I never, I never talked to you before. So I had no idea kind of yeah. where your head at was with like the story about this. And I feel like there's kind of been a bit of a trend maybe stemming from goat simulator and I am bread where people are making goofy games for the sole purpose of being streamed and not really building much of a game around it more of a core idea of this would be weird i bet people would play this and then the game's not really anything uh, yeah and that's what i think a lot of like the neogath thread is like really toxic actually um it's really interesting because a lot of people are super toxic about it and they're like well this is just another streaming game like that's all this is but it's really funny because they say that and then they'll be they'll have like some little critique but and they'll be like if it had this, then it wouldn't be that type of game anymore. So it's like almost like people are people want to critique it and say that it's a stream, like it's just made for streaming. Yeah. But they have this like little tiny sliver of hope that there's something more to it, that it's not just like Goat Simulator. And and I think a lot of people just don't know what to expect. So and in Pax East will be the first time that we really show it to people. Oh man! Like in person. So that'll be interesting. So. See, I want to go there so badly. I hope I actually do end up there and play it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Um, I, I do hope people listen to this and realize, because uh, you know, I had no idea going into this. I was like, you could tell me, like, I don't know, we thought it'd be cool to stream, and now we're making a video game, and I'm happy <laughs> not that. I'm happy. No, it sounds you know, yeah. honest. It sounds genuine. And I think yeah, it's, it's really weird. And I think people also thought the same thing you did, where they're like, oh, he totally just wanted to make a game that's streamable. and. It's like no, it, it all this whole thing happened on accident. Like it's not my fault. It, like the internet does weird things. So it really does. And you're now in some weird internet hurricane <laughs> of who knows what the hell is going to happen. But that has yeah. to be terrifying and exciting. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I'm okay with it. So, <laughs> so uh, during the end of these podcasts, because somehow these are still about advice at in some way. Um, I usually like to kind of leave off with a tip. Uh, it's usually based off something that happened to me like the week before that I get some sort of weird inspiration. Uh, and it actually, a lot of this stems from our conversation because very often an indie game starts gaining steam or it suddenly hits everyone's consciousness. It's like, oh my God, this thing looks really cool. And a lot of press and especially freelancers fail to actually reach out to that person and talk to them. Uh, very often, um, an example is No Man's Sky that blew up over like an initial release trailer, and like everyone's like, "Oh my god, what is this?" And not a lot of people actually reached out to Hello Games for interviews. I know I missed that boat. I didn't, and then immediately after, I saw like a big interview go up. I'm like, "Why didn't I do that? Like, why didn't I think to reach out to that?" So for anyone who is a freelancer and they're looking for maybe something to boost their career and have like a oh this is a really cool thing that i did like just reach out to people like just especially indie developers i've reached out to so many at this point and no one's ever been like no way i don't want to talk to you unless of course they are short on time or something like that but if something starts getting attention talk to that person figure out how it happened get their story because i I've, I've also never talked to any developer and been like well that was a boring story that guy was just <laughs> like i don't know i wanted to make a game and here's my game like there's always something interesting around it so if you're a freelancer trying to get on GameSpot or IGN, just find an interesting story from an indie dev. There are hundreds of them out there. Reach out and just talk to them. And very often you'll have an interesting, cool conversation and something awesome to write about. So that's mine for the week. 
Uh, Chris, I know you've been giving out a lot of interesting tidbits, but <laughs> it is just getting into development. I know you have a, a very unique journey, but anything you can kind of impart? I guess one of the things that when I was in college specifically that kind of held on to me was it doesn't matter what you're making your game with or in. It's just just finish a game. Yeah. Just Just somehow finish it. Don't be the person that just starts a bunch of stuff and then never finishes something like finishing a game really does make a difference. And it, it actually does make a difference. Um, if you're applying for jobs or if you're telling people like, like about a game that you made, it, there's a difference between a game that you made and a game that you finished. Um, so I, I think that's the biggest advice that I could give someone is just like, it doesn't matter the scale. It doesn't have to be like something massive. It's just make a game and finish it. Yeah. And, and I, I feel that uh, students get lost, uh, specifically get lost in technology and they get lost in advice from all these different people. And even I struggle with that. Like I'll take advice from from someone, but then like I just ignore the blatant advice that's in, been in front of me. And it just happens to be very similar. But for some reason, I only take it from one person. Um, I just strongly suggest people to just make a game and finish it. Yeah. Um, it really does make a difference. And like people say in game development it's there's the nine the first 90 percent and there's the last 90 percent of the game and that last 90 percent of the game actually is very very difficult yeah very often even in like a if you're trying to apply for a job in development or even in like pr one of the main things is like have you shipped a video game have you been a part of a team that shipped a video game because like you said it, it's there's it's, it's one thing to say i worked on this and one thing to say like i saw this through like, yeah, good, yeah. bad, ugly. Like as long as you saw it through, it's important to show that you have that stick to itiveness. One of my favorite words. Uh, yeah, to actually yeah. Get through it, Chris. I am super like now more than ever looking <laughs> forward to this real video game uh, with yeah. real video game things in it, and uh, I do wish you all the best on it. I this could be, you know, once again expectations. Who knows? But this could be a really huge, cool thing for you. And um, yeah, whenever it comes out, I would love to talk to you afterward to see kind of. How yeah. the hell that whirlwind was uh, to see. Like, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. So, forward to it, so absolutely. So yeah, thanks again for talking to me, and thanks everyone for listening. And hopefully, you tune back in for the next episode of the 1099.